New community, welcome to our Sunday podcast. Although this is not our preferred medium for our Sunday worship service, we are incredibly glad that you are here with us and look forward to the days ahead when we can meet and worship together again in person. Let me begin this morning with a prayer. As I pray, take a few deep breaths and focus on being present here and now. God of creation, we come before you as your beloved sons and daughters. May we trust in your love and find peace in the grace and mercy you so freely offer. Be with us today as we worship. Help us to be present in ourselves and with you. We ask that our minds and hearts be ready for the teaching of your word, and we ask for the movement of your spirit in our lives. We pray these things in the name of the Holy Father, the loving Son, and the active Spirit. Amen. Please join me in prayer as we enter into this morning's talk. Loving Father, your Son Jesus, the servant in whom you were well pleased, chose to emphasize his solidarity with sinners by undergoing the trial of temptation in the wilderness. Led by the Holy Spirit into the desert for a victorious struggle against evil, Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights and was tempted. We thank you, all-powerful Father, for the victory of Jesus over all temptations, especially for his ultimate victory at his life-giving passion on the cross. Weak, hungry, and vulnerable in the arid and haunting wilderness of Judea, he remained obedient to your saving will and trusted in your love. He showed us how to struggle against evil temptations by relying on your divine providence and by trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we pray, we ask that you unite us with the saving mystery of Christ, who was tempted and remained victorious. Inspired by him, help us to be faithful and to relish the profound dignity of being your beloved children. By the grace of his sacrificial offering, help us to realize with joy that we are called to share in your son's victory and glory, now and forever. Amen. Good morning, new community. I know, I know, you're thinking another podcast. When will it end? Now, the short answer to that is never. We do a podcast every Sunday. What you're really asking is, when will we regather? Now, that's a great question. While I do not have an answer for you, I do know that we are creating protocols, determining next steps, and seeking a reopening date. Our desire is to meet as soon as we can in a way that is safe and carries high levels of community responsibility. We are in the process of communal discernment, and in the coming weeks, you can expect more info on our desired plans to return to gather worship. Now, on another note, the DIY retreat. The do-it-yourself retreat is off to a great start, and the Elders and staff have been in prayer for each participant this weekend. If you have not yet signed up, there is still time. Next weekend is another date for you to participate. I will personally be engaged next weekend in retreat, and I would encourage all of you to join me in the same pursuit. 
We are collectively seeking to hear from God and be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit as we reflect on this past year and do some much-needed internal work. I'm convinced that investing in our own spiritual development will always carry significant outcomes. What I want to do before we get into the text this morning is to take a moment and pray for the participants this weekend that they would have wisdom, insight, and a unique ability to hear the voice of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you eager to hear your voice this morning, eager to listen to the Spirit. But we pray specifically for everyone that's on their own personal retreat or retreating with a friend. God, we pray that you would meet them in that space. We pray that the time they set aside to engage with you would be a time filled with insight, with wisdom, with clarity. God, we pray that you would uh, ignite in each of us a deeper desire to know you more. That you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you might be saying to us for this coming year. And God, I pray that uh, what you communicate to us would not just fall on ears that hear it, but would fall on hands and feet that practice it. May we be your people living each and every day for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today we are focusing on the temptation of Jesus Christ. Our passage is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Now, before I read the passage, my intention this morning is to take a phrase-by-phrase approach to the text. While I do not do that with every text, this one in particular lends itself to that approach. My hope this morning is to highlight areas to remind us, inform us, and encourage us, as well as consider what this moment in the life of Jesus means for us. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, reading out of the ESV, reads like this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came 
and we're ministering to him. So the text starts out by saying, then Jesus. If you look in the text, we're just going to go phrase by phrase. So then Jesus, the text says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the accuser. In Luke, that same story reads this way. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. Mark says, immediately Jesus was led. See, the story starts out with intrigue. Immediately after the baptism, Jesus enters temptation. The baptism ends with Jesus coming out of the water, and a voice from heaven is heard saying, This is my Son, whom I love, With him I am well pleased. It was a moment of great vision, a moment where God confirms Jesus' calling and Jesus receives the affirmation of the Father's love. It is also this powerful statement that Jesus is the Messiah. The true identity of Jesus has been revealed in this moment. So Jesus participates in baptism, and then immediately, the text says, Jesus was led. The text says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So first off, Jesus' temptation is not a result of a misstep or a wandering from his directed path. Jesus is in the wilderness because that is precisely where the Spirit has led him. So this answers the often asked question, is temptation a sin? In short, no. What you see in this text is an incredible contrast between baptism and the temptation. Jesus moves from a river to the desert, from the spirit to the accuser or the chaos creator, from being affirmed to being tempted from listening to the voice of his father to hearing the voice of the accuser. From the beauty and celebration of baptism to the struggle and frustration of temptation. Now the text goes on to say that when he was in the wilderness being tempted, that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and that he was hungry. Now, 40 days and 40 nights. I want to highlight two things about that. First, Jesus was being tempted for the entirety of the 40 days. One of the accounts reads, where for 40 days he was tempted by the accuser. The whole of the 40 days was a period of temptation. Now, I surmise that the examples we are given in the text of the temptation are either recorded as an illustration of that 40-day temptation or are meant to serve a deeper meaning, which I will explain in a few moments. The second thing I want to highlight is there obviously is a deep significance and illusion in the 40 days. The ancient Hebrew history speaks throughout the Bible to the significance of 40 days. 40 is one of the quote-unquote big Bible numbers. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights as Noah waited in the ark. Elijah awaited God's word for 40 days on a mountain. 
Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. And during that time, Moses spent 40 days during those 40 wandering years in the presence of God receiving the Ten Commandments. 40 is also the length of Jonah's mission to share the good news. It is the length of Jesus' ministry following his resurrection. And in this case, Jesus was in the wilderness without food for 40 days and 40 nights. 40, in scriptural terms, is the length of time it takes to do something momentous, something life-altering and significant. And Jesus is in that moment. The text says, 40 days and 40 nights, and he was there to be tempted. Specifically, it starts by saying, and the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. The first temptation, if you are the son of God. It's interesting to me that the accuser starts with Jesus by saying, if, if you are the son of God. I think it's important to note that temptation often starts with doubt. Doubting our identity in Christ as a beloved child or doubting the goodness of God. The accuser places doubt on the identity of Jesus. In the second command, he says the same thing. So if you are the son of God, command these stones. Second temptation, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If is often the beginning of temptation. As Barbara Brown Taylor says in An Altar in the World, saying no is a more difficult spiritual practice than tithing, praying on a cold stone floor, or visiting a prisoner on death row. This difficult spiritual practice begins with doubt. I think it's also important to note that the choices the accuser offers to Jesus are not inherently evil. To turn stones to bread, to leap from the pinnacle of a temple, or to take over the kingdoms of the world are not necessarily wrong pursuits for Jesus. In fact, you could make a pretty strong case for why those actions could serve to meet the needs of others, to bring justice and wholeness to the world, and give God the praise that is due him. Jesus's temptation, however, is not just about his personal morality. It's not just about the rights and the wrongs, but it's about the nature of his ministry and mission as the Messiah. The Jewish people were looking for a Messiah who would liberate them from the oppressive financial and social conditions under which they were suffering. Their hope was to have a Messiah return Israel to its glory and to rule and reign not only over Israel, but over the whole world. The accuser was attempting to thwart this plan by causing Jesus to claim what was rightfully his, but to do so through means other than his loving submission to the Father and his self-sacrificial love displayed on the cross. It was an attempt to cause Jesus to obtain what was rightfully his through power and status, which is antithetical to the kingdom. Before we move on, I want to highlight two things concerning temptation. 
In some ways, this temptation was specific and unique to Jesus. The temptation carried messianic implications, but even more so, we are not confronted with the same type of temptations in specificity. What I mean by this is we likely have never been tempted to turn stones into bread, likely never been tempted to acquire all the glory of the kingdoms of the world or to jump off a high tower to see if angels would catch us. No, these temptations are particular to Jesus and to his ministry and to his mission. But in some ways, these temptations are also universal. Let me suggest that the three temptations of Jesus are primal, universal temptations that all humans face. Now, here's what I mean. In 1 John 2, John says this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 John 2, verse 16. Now, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the primal, universal temptations. These are the sins that are against the body, the soul, and the spirit. So you might be asking, what are they? The lust of the flesh. I have heard the lust of the flesh defined as everything that appeals to carnal and physical appetite. It is when those appetites get out of control or when we succumb to what the Apostle Paul calls the works of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, he says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's the definition from Paul of the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes is the appeal to the eye's insatiable demands. It is external attraction that produces covetousness. This sin of coveting or the strong desire to have something that rightfully belongs to someone else or to have a good thing but in a wrong amount is a result of giving in to the lust of the eyes. The pride of life is an appeal to haughtiness, arrogance, and pride. This temptation is the lust of personal achievement and the desire for self-sufficiency. This shows up in desiring credit for things others did or striving to make a name for ourselves. We see it when we desire to feel more important than others around us or long to hold places of power and position in a way that puffs up our ego. These are the universal struggles. However, if you don't believe me yet, let me take you to Genesis 3. There you find Eve's temptation in the garden. The text says this, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, 
and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband. Jesus's temptation, likewise, in the wilderness was this. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread, lust of the flesh. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down, and angels will come attend. Pride of life. And the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them, the lust of the eyes. And he said, all these things could be yours. What was true of Eve was true of Jesus and is true of us. We now shift to us. If temptation of Eve is the same temptation of Jesus, which is the universal temptation of us, what does this moment in the life of Jesus mean for you and me? Let me suggest a few takeaways. Number one, our temptations mirror the temptations of Jesus. Richard Rohr, in speaking of temptation, says, in my opinion, there are three primary things that we have to let go of. First is the compulsion to be successful. Second is the compulsion to be right, even and especially to be theologically right. That's an ego trip. And because of this need, churches are split in half, with both parties prisoners of their own egos. Finally, there is the compulsion to be powerful, to have everything under control. I am convinced these are the three demons Jesus faced in the wilderness. And so long as we haven't looked these demons in the face, we should presume they are still in charge. Our temptations mirror the temptations of Jesus. Secondly, temptations are a distortion of the good. All three temptations of Jesus were a distortion of something good. Bread is good. Jesus would later take that bread and feed a multitude. Jesus' vocation as Savior was good. But with each temptation, the accuser distorts a good thing and turns it evil. We really can only be tempted by something that is good at some level. Perhaps it is partially good, or only good for some, or only good for us and not for others. But temptations are about good things. Most of us are not making choices between total good and total evil but between various shades of good. And truthfully, we often exchange a good for an evil disguised as a good, or we make a good thing an ultimate thing. But each time we are tempted, we have an opportunity to live out the kingdom of the God in in the here and now. The reign of the kingdom is being established here on earth, and we live out that reality by resisting temptation. We have a chance to cause God's new creation to come to bear on earth, one action at a time. Number three, your temptations may arise in strength or weakness. Now there's a general assumption that temptations strike 
in our time of weakness. When Jesus was most hungry and most tired from the 40 days of fasting, that is when he received the temptation to make stones into bread. Now that makes sense. Striking in the area of weakness. This is why we often say that when we're most tired or vulnerable, we should be most aware of temptation. But notice that Jesus was not being tempted in his weakness. Instead, his strengths became the basis of his temptation, his unique mission, his unique relationship with God, his unique power. These were the basis of his temptation. Now, we often suppose that it is our weakness that is the source, but it may very well be our strengths. The talents with which we are most capable can become easily distorted. Those temptations can bring about a test of our loyalty to God, our dependence on God, the God who has claimed us as his beloved sons and daughters. Number four, you should address temptation with truth. Jesus responds to the temptation with scripture. Truth is the perfect antidote to temptation. Whether that truth is in scripture, as Jesus quoted, or outside of scripture, all truth is God's. And that truth brings light to the darkness. Don't argue with temptation. Direct truth toward it. N.T. Wright puts it this way, Jesus is tempted concerning food, concerning dominion, and tempted to defy death. Notice that Jesus doesn't argue with the devil. Arguing with temptation is often a way of playing with the idea until it is too attractive to resist. Let me read that last line again. Arguing with temptation is often a way of playing with the idea until it is too attractive to resist. James 1 speaks to that same idea. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Jesus, rather, attacks the doubt, attacks the lie with truth. The fifth and final idea, Christ understands. Now, this is a point that's made repeatedly in the letter to the Hebrews. It says this in verse 15 of chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Christ has been tested in every way as we are, tested with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But here's the best part of the whole verse. Yet was without sin. The temptation of Jesus reminds us that not only does Jesus understand and sympathize with our temptations, better yet, Jesus and his actions in the wilderness demonstrates that he is worthy to be king, savior, and priest. He is the victor over sin and death. May we rest in his victory and may we follow his example. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Lord Jesus, let our life be yours. Take our fleeting desires that shift from moment to moment. May they be capsized by a greater desire for you that leaves no room for lesser longings. In the face of temptation, we would rather choose you, Jesus, but we are weak. Be our strength, we ask. Refashion our desires according to the better designs of your love. Given the choice of this moment or kingdom eternity, may we choose what is eternal. Given the choice of easy pleasure or the harder road of the cross, give us grace to choose to follow you, knowing that there is nowhere apart from your presence that we might find the peace we long for. Build in us, Lord God, a beautiful thing through long obedience by the steady progression of our small choices. God of our hidden depths, in honest regret, in trust, we confess our faults and recognize our frailty. Show us that we are forgiven so that we may forgive. Touch our wounds with your healing so that we may be people who heal. Help us to be at peace with our lives and ourselves so that we may become makers of your peace for others. Through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Hi, my name is Kelly Rizk, and I am helping organize a medical mission trip to Egypt this June. We will be partnering with a ministry that serves people throughout the Middle East to provide medical clinics in three different areas in Cairo and Alexandria. Our team will consist of a variety of medical professionals and anyone else who has a heart to serve. We are inviting you to partner with us through prayer, financial support, and or by joining our team. If you'd like to learn more about how you can partner with us, please join me for an informational meeting on Tuesday, February 2nd. My contact information and how to RSVP for the meeting can be found in the loop. Thank you. Let us hear this rendition of the Lord's Prayer as we close this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, from every evil and grant us peace in our day. In your mercy, keep us free from sin and protect us from all anxiety as we wait in joyful hope. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Go in peace and have a great week, Newcombe.